it's time for a little reality check here. I think things are getting out of hand. Actually, things have been out of hand for quite some time. But now it's getting really, really serious. We're getting revisionist history. We're getting hypocrisy on grand display. We're getting all manner of convenient memory loss and convenient memory recollection when it supports a democratic, or should I say there is no more democratic position. It's only uber-leftist communist position. Hi everyone, I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of National Preview Online, the NPO podcast, if you will. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so by simply going to the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store and search for NPO Podcast or National Preview Online. You can also download the free Podbean app in either of those two places. Podbean.com is our hosting service, and you can subscribe that way. It is also free. The benefit of subscribing is that you will never miss an episode. You will always be notified whenever a new episode is uploaded onto the web. So, with scantly a little over a week to go, to President Trump's administration, the left is not abating, the left is not satisfied, the left is becoming more unhinged and more kooky. There is no reason why President Trump needs to be removed between now and the 20th of January, especially after he has already said that he will consent to a peaceful transition of power, as has always been the case in our democracy in the 200 years plus that it's been in existence except to give them something to rave and scream about. They want a political coffin to trample on. I've told you this the other day. But more importantly, there are uh, matters of really of no consequence, really, uh, except to them. They're of grave concern. They are deathly afraid of President Trump, and they have been from the beginning, because President Trump is not a Washington insider. Therefore, he cannot be controlled. And we know now just how much our politicians in Washington are being controlled uh, as a result of an interview by National Director of Intelligence John Ratcliffe. The amount of pressure that the Chinese Communist government is now exerting on gathering information, blackmailing, intimidating American politicians, all designed to achieve favorable policies coming out of the U.S. government, favorable laws that will favor the Chinese and allow them to dominate uh, the economic landscape worldwide and thereby dominating the world, is now very, very evident. John Ratcliffe is the director of national intelligence. All intelligence agencies in the United States report to him. The CIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, the NSA, all of it. The only person who has as much information on intelligence and perhaps a little more than the director of national intelligence is the president of the United States himself. So when John Ratcliffe speaks, he speaks with authority and he speaks with knowledge. We already know this is happening. Look what happened in the Russia hoax investigation. We had politicians like that little snit, Eric Swalwell, that little shit from California, who was a nothing until he was taken under the wing by the Chinese communists. He had that little Chinese spy. It almost sounds like something out of a James Bond movie, Fang Fang or Fan Fan. He was porking her. Sorry to be graphic, but I'm getting a little bit pissed off today. I'm a little bit off the hook myself. 
He was sitting there having relations with her. Make it sound better. He was having relations with her. She raised money for him. He's owned lock, stock, and barrel by the Chinese. And here he is accusing the president of being in bed with the Russians. But after $33 million of investigation, no evidence was found. What we did find was that the sole basis for the FISA warrants was based on falsified testimony and paid dossiers, political opposition research paid by the Clinton um, Foundation, paid for by the Clinton Foundation, that Christopher Steele dossier. And now we've got Swalwell in bed with the Chinese. And it's continuing. It's continuing. And what's the latest cause of it? Because Trump made a speech in Washington last week. He was speaking to his supporters. He never called for insurrection. He said, fight for truth, fight for justice. Is that fighting for truth and justice is now synonymous with breaking and entering? If a Democrat had said that, people would say, oh, you're exaggerating. He just called for truth and justice. He didn't call to break and enter. And now we're getting additional facts now. The timeline isn't even right. Trump wasn't even finished with his speech before the crowd was already down there, which leads us to believe that the people who initially got there we're not Trump supporters. In fact, Trump supporters don't dress in military garb. They don't dress in olive drab and black masks and hoods. There's only two kinds of people that do that, that we've seen in the last couple of years doing that, Antifa and Black Lives Matter. And we now have evidence emerging that it was these groups that sent people down there that actually broke into the Capitol. And then, of course, having broken in and breached the security, encouraged Trump supporters to go in. And of course, when people are caught up in the moment, they go in and they do stupid things. But there's no evidence yet as to actually who got into that struggle with the Capitol Police officer and hit him in the head with the fire ex- extinguisher, which caused him to perish from his, from his injuries uh, 24 hours later. I'll guarantee you, as things emerge and people get identified and prosecuted, we're going to find out exactly who they were with. But as I predicted... The woman murdered at the hands of the Capitol Police, the 12-year Air Force veteran Ashley Bobbitt. Her name is quickly fading from the headlines. Nobody remembers her except her family. This woman did nothing. And I still maintain, and I don't prejudge the action of police officers, but I still maintain that police officer who shot her is going to have a great many questions to answer and a great deal to answer for. Because all around Ashley Bobbitt were other police officers in riot gear. Anyone who would shoot at someone who wasn't actually threatening their life, and this woman was not armed with anything, she wasn't doing anything at all, except maybe trying to gain entry through that partition. And I can't even see that clearly in the video clip that I saw. But she was no threat to that Capitol Police officer. And for him or her, it looked like it was a him, to shoot at that woman who was surrounded by other police officers and putting them at risk is an act of sheer and utter recklessness. And it is not justified by any laws of justification of the use of deadly physical force that I am aware of. And I challenge any lawyer to challenge me on it. Now, the insanity, though, continues. Now it looks like there's a vengeance out there. Now, I saw Jim Jordan give a speech uh, to Congress saying it was ridiculous to go forward with this impeachment and it's only going to cause more division. And he's absolutely right. Do you think you're bringing about calm by impeaching a man in the last week of his administration 
a man that 73 million people voted for, the great majority of whom already feel the election was stolen from them. And don't give me this no evidence stuff. The fact that you say there's no evidence doesn't mean there's no evidence. There's been plenty of evidence. And as I said on the show the other day, I challenge any court. I should should say, I challenge anyone who's citing court decisions to show me the court that actually reviewed and weighed in on the evidence. They all found very fanciful reasons for not pursuing this. They all said uh, uh, no standing, not filed in a timely fashion, wrong defendant, every manner of excuse they could come up with without dealing with the evidence. And the most contemptible of all was the decision by the U.S. Supreme Court. Because as I've said before, the U.S. Supreme Court is the court of original jurisdiction. They have no discretion. States have no other place to go but the United States Supreme Court when settling disputes between states. It isn't like they have somebody else they can go to if the Supreme Court says, I'm sorry, we're too busy, we're not going to be bothered. Where are they supposed to go? Pick two men to go out and duke it out? Whoever wins the fight, that state wins? doesn't work that way. And that's why Justice Alito was very correct in his dissent, saying, not even speaking to the merits of the case or the lack thereof, we have no discretion here. We have to hear this case. We have no discretion. Supreme Court acts very conveniently for them. But this is going way beyond that. Now we have the Democrats. Suddenly, when they're the target of supposed, quote-unquote, violence, they've suddenly discovered that they're against it. But when legitimate business owners had their establishments ravaged and burned to the ground all last spring and summer, when police cars were set ablaze, as people, including the elderly, were beaten indiscriminately, you all saw it on many newsreels, and all in blue states and cities, it was fine. It was all fine. These were simple, simply peaceful protests, and after all, People have to be allowed to get their frustrations out. Here in my own hometown of New York City, you had our idiot mayor, Bill de Blasio, saying when challenged about how he could let people protest, but he didn't want people going to church. Well, you know, we're talking about 400 years of slavery. What the hell does 400 years of slavery have got to do with burning down cities and looting stores? When has it ever had anything to do with burning down cities and looting stores? Slavery was a long time ago, and you're still crying about it. Yes, it was a terrible stain, but it's gone now. We don't have slavery here. We haven't had slavery since the Emancipation Proclamation. We got rid of it. And I've got news for you. All these people that you uber-leftists are trying to seek reparations from, this is fast a country of immigrants. It's become a country of immigrants. My family didn't own slaves. My family wasn't even in the United States when slavery was legal. They were in Italy. We didn't have any slaves. I don't owe you squat. Neither does my family. You want to get reparations? Go trace back the roots of people whose families actually own slaves. In fact, I'll tell you where you can start. You can start with your incoming Vice President Kamala Harris. That's right. Right, the big, the big first African-American vice president who's not really African-American, she's from the island, she's Jamaican. Her family owned slaves. They had plantations in Jamaica. So when you start for your reparations, go start with Kamala. She's one person I know for sure whose ancestors owned slaves. So if you're going to make people pay the bill, make people pay the bill who actually committed the act and committed the crime. 
even though it wasn't a crime when they did it. It was considered legal. But this vengeance, this frustration is getting out of control. It is almost to the point where anyone who engages in this type of conduct has to be considered mentally unbalanced. We have Facebook, Twitter, Apple, Amazon, all acting to the detriment of conservatives and conservative businesses. They're shutting down the parlor app. And why? Well, Facebook is nothing to do with the parlor app. Twitter has nothing to do with the parlor app, but they're a competing app. Amazon and Google, um, Apple and Google have removed the parlor app from their app store. Those of you who have it, like myself, can't use it because shortly thereafter, Amazon shut down their servers, saying that they were promoting violence and they don't adhere to their standards. Now, everyone has seemed to forgetting, the Democrats, of course, conveniently forgetting now, as soon as they realized they were against violence when it was visited at them, they quickly forgot that Twitter has been used to organize violence against conservatives, against President Trump. They have tweets out the other day, hang a Vice President Pence, all violence, no problem. As long as it's violence visited and directed against people that they don't like, then it's okay. See, what's good for the goose isn't good for the gander, okay? Facebook has banned President Trump's account till after Biden is inaugurated. Twitter has permanently banned President Trump's account. Okay. Uh, and Forbes now is threatening to disparage any company that hires any former Trump administration people. Now, you want to talk about preemptive slander, libel, and defamation? Let me read an excerpt from this uh, article, this statement by this uh, chief content officer, Randall Lane, an editor of Forbes magazine. Okay. They delivered a stark warning to companies that might consider hiring Kaylee McEnany, Kellyanne Conway, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and other former spokespeople in the Trump White House. Do so, this is a threat, do so and risk losing all credibility given their history of perpetuating lies upon lies, repeated frequently and fervently on the behalf of the president. And what better way to punish these spreaders of untruth than by warning the businesses who hire them in the future? Quote, let it be known to the business world. Hire any of Trump's fellow fabulists above, and Forbes will assume that everything your company or firm talks about is a lie. We're going to scrutinize, double-check, investigate with the same skepticism we'd approach a Trump tweet. Want to ensure the world's biggest business media brand approaches you as a potential funnel of disinformation? Then hire away. Lane singled out former White House press secretaries and spokespeople such as Kaylee McEnany, Kellyanne Conway, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and Sean Spicer, noting that they have shirked their duty to tell the truth, regardless of how uncomfortable that may be. Now, let me ask you this question. Why wasn't it wrong for people in the Obama administration not to tell the truth? The president himself was out there. You like your doctor? You like your health plan? You can keep it. Lie, lie, lie. Repeated it 47 times. No fewer than 47 times in public. Told people that were desperate to save their incomes in the Rust Belt states of Pennsylvania, Michigan, your jobs aren't coming back. 
lie, lie, lie. You didn't want to bring them back. Trump brought them back. He said, what was he going to do, wave a magic wand? He brought the jobs back. The lies simply go on and on. Now, I came across an article uh, back in 1996, I believe. William Sapphire, who was writing for the New York Times, the late William Sapphire, was writing about Hillary Clinton and how this woman who had become uh, a role model for many people at the time has now been revealed to be a congenital liar. And he called it a blizzard of lies. Picking up on that theme, um, there was an article written about the Obama White House. And it's interesting. Now these people, these same people, the Democrats, who are talking about lies and this, this lunatic lane from, For- from Forbes talking about the lies and untruths uh, in the Trump administration, seems to forget conveniently about the culture of deceit in the Obama White House. That's how it's described here in this Washington Post article. The culture of deceit in the Obama White House. A serial willingness to say things that are untrue to protect the president. It says It goes on to state, think about some of the falsehoods in this White House, referring to the Obama White House again, that they have told this country. They told Americans that no one at the White House edited the Benghazi talking points to blame the attack on an internet video until it came out that Deputy National Security Advisor Ben Rhodes had urged Susan Rice to, quote, underscore that these protests are rooted in an internet video and not a broader failure of policy. The president repeatedly told Americans that no one would lose his or her doctor or health care plan, as I said a few minutes ago, until it later emerged that White House policy advisors had urged him to drop the line, but were overruled by political aides. Obama told Americans that there was not even a smidgen of corruption at the Internal Revenue Service while the investigation was still underway. But then it was revealed that there had been a spontaneous combustion of hard drives among IRS officials under investigation. Add to that the White House spokesman Josh Ernest's false claim that Obama wasn't specifically referring to Islamic State when he called them JV terrorists, or Obama's false assertion that the sequester was, quote, not something that I've proposed, it is something that Congress has proposed, untrue or his false claim that 7 million Americans have access to health care for the first time because of Medicaid expansion. The list goes on and on, the article states. One falsehood can be a mistake. Two are troubling. But three, four, five, or more in a row? That is a pattern of deceit. Or in the immortal words of William Sapphire, a blizzard of lies. Lying is nothing new in politics, and I would dare say that President Trump has done a lot less of them and a lot fewer of them than most people would, would care to admit. In fact, they just characterize them as lies because they have an unbridled hatred for the man. And this is what really the point is of all of this, the lead up to all of this, ladies and gentlemen, is that this violence now is only going to get worse if the Democrats continue on this road. Because... You can't spit in people's faces and tell them it's raining. You can't urinate on somebody's pants leg and told them they just spilled their coffee. What's happening is it's become very, very clear, 
ever since Trump ascended to the presidency, just how closed the shop this government of ours is. This is not government of the people, by the people, and for the people, and it hasn't been for some time. It was briefly and fleetingly during Trump's administration. As long as he was the chief executive, he was a man of the people, and he tried to do good for the people, and he did. People who were starving in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, people who were forgotten, mostly poor white people, their jobs came back thanks to him. American companies interrupted plans to send more jobs abroad because of him. Industries are back, all because of him. Stock market, record highs, because of him. But now we see what's going on here. We see what this vengeance, this stupid attempt to try and impeach a man with 10 days left or less than 10 days left, and I'm going to explain why that's illegal in a moment. This is all designed because they want to intimidate They are in mortal fear of Trump. More than making him leave in disgrace, they want to ensure that they can get some kind of agreement out of him or some type of finding based on an unfitness for duty that he can never run for anything again because they walk in mortal fear. But there's a twofold purpose to this. More than wanting Trump not to run, they don't want anyone to run who's not part of the club. You see, unbeknownst to you, ladies and gentlemen, as I said last week on a show, you don't pick the president. You only pick from who they've picked for you. The parties think they picked the president. They give you two choices, each one acceptable to the establishment elites, and then the election goes forward. You don't really get to pick anybody. You just think you do. Trump was an outsider. They don't like it. Couldn't control him couldn't continue to steal. You see, I don't worry about a man who's worth billions coming into an office. I really don't. Man didn't even take the salary. Anybody bother to tell you that? They tell you that he incited people to riot. But yet while they're telling you this, they don't tell you other things about him. In fact, let's talk about that inciting to riot. If Trump really incited people to riot, if his words were so plain and unambiguous as to incite people to riot, and you know how much the mainstream media hates him, ask yourselves this simple question. If they hate him that much, and he really did it, and they really want to armor public opinion against him, why aren't they constantly, constantly, constantly airing his remarks and his speech. What better condemnation could there be than these words of insurrection flowing on national TV from the very lips of the president, from the very lips of the man they said who called for it? Well, there's a very simple reason why you're not seeing that video. It doesn't exist because President Trump didn't call for it. He asked for people to peaceably protest. He asked for people to fight hard, but fight hard in the political sense. As any Democrat would claim, that's what they meant if they had said it. They don't have any evidence. And very interestingly, Alan Dershowitz was on Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo of Fox News, one of the few Fox News shows I still watch. And he pointed out that it is impossible for them to impeach Donald Trump. And as a defender of the Constitution, he stands ready to defend the president. And why? Well, because it's easy to get a vote of articles of impeachment from the House. They just take a vote and that's it. 
Democrats control the chamber, so they get a vote. But now there has to be a trial in the Senate. Things have to be set up. Presentations have to be made. Time for a defense has to be mounted. Evidence has to be presented. Well, according to Dershowitz, according to the Senate's own rules, uh, the timetable that's currently before us, the Senate would never be able to take up this matter before 1 p.m. on January 20th. Well, January 20th is the day of the inauguration. At 1 p.m., Donald Trump will be the former president. Joe Biden will become the president as of 12 noon. The Constitution gives the Congress and the Senate no authority to impeach an ex-president. Impeachment is not a prosecution. Impeachment is a process that has one purpose and one purpose only, to remove a president from office. You can't have a procedure to remove someone from office who no longer holds the office. It's as simple as that. This is moot. This is all for show. This is nonsense. This is bullshit at the end of the day. This is bullshit. They do this because they want to try and trample on the man and they want to prevent not only him, but anyone, anyone, any great American businessman who thinks it's time for them to step up and save their country from communist domination and make no mistake about it, that's what's coming. That's what's coming if we don't wake up and do something. That's what this is about. Now, before I let you go, let me bring out some things to you. People have been talking about not patronizing Amazon. And I am cutting all ties with Amazon. I don't shop there anymore. People say shop Walmart instead. I mentioned this the other day. I think uh, I was researching it for today's show as well. The Walton family, which is the founders of Walmart, Christy Walton is a billionaire of the Walton family. She contributed huge amounts of money to an anti-Trump group. Walmart also roundly denounced Senator Josh Hawley, calling him a sore loser, although they later apologized for the remark. But it does express their sentiment uh, for challenging the Electoral College vote. So Walmart is no longer a place you should be spending your money. And it's very interesting I was a big defender of Walmart because it brought a lot of low prices to people who needed to find goods affordably. And a lot of people in local towns where Walmart originally proliferated, they weren't big fans of Walmart because they said they would lay waste to entire towns. Small businesses could no longer survive because people would shop in Walmart instead. So you want to know how to starve these people out, you got to starve their income. I think what we need to do is get back to American roots. We need to start shopping local again. We need to start patronizing small businesses to the extent that we can. All right, certain things we have no choice. You want cell phone service? You've got to get it from one of the major providers. But you can be selective. We need to start going back to our roots. Support the mom and pop operations. And the corporate entities that we do support We have to be very, very careful about looking at their corporate mission statement and what their political leanings are. Whenever there's an alternative, we should move away from these uber leftists, these people who are in bed 
with communists and support people who think like us. The one good thing I'm encouraged by, ladies and gentlemen, is there are 73 million of us, and among those 73 million are a great, great many very, very bright entrepreneurial people. Stay the course. It's only a matter of time before these good people come up with their own answer to Facebook, their own answer to Amazon, their own answer to Twitter. We already have that in parlor. They'll be back up again. We will have corporate places to go. And they won't be able to threaten those corporate places. Oh, they won't patronize them. By they, I mean the left. But there's 73 million of us that will. We can keep those places afloat. And once we have our own separate sphere of influence, once we have our own places to go to shop, places to go to communicate with each other and spread information, the power that these titans of tech who are acting like the final arbiters of truth and justice, their grip will be loosened and they too will end up on the ash heap of history. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Durie.